fellow TV seers and guests, visitors, guest pastors, etc. Our mission at the Village Church to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. And our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend His love. If you're a visitor, you're welcome. There's a lot of visitor cards in the narthex. You can fill that out and turn it in with the information you need. I just want to say one thing. It's a great thing. It's Thanksgiving week. We can be thankful for a lot of things. But to be able to come together as God's people and God's family and worship, we take it for granted too often, I think. I just say that today. If you, we can celebrate His grace and be encouraged by His Word and by the fellowship of sisters and brothers in Christ. So just be encouraged today to be that we can be here and freely meet and celebrate His grace and work in our lives. Okay, with that added thing, uh, I will continue with the announcements. Um, Alex, our senior pastor, is on sabbatical till the end of the year. So if you've got any questions about the church, contact the elders if need be. Nursery is open today. Uh, Village Church, the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. We do not take a formal offering, but there's an offering plate in the back. You can do it by PayPal uh, or double check in the mail. A lot of ways to give to the Village Church. But we, that's an act of worship. It's from the heart, not from the pocketbook only. Today, we will welcome Bill Nash to our pulpit. He's going to substitute for Alex today. And look forward to hearing what he has from God's Word for us today. Welcome, Bill. And new announcement, two things. Uh, women's ministry is collecting donations for First Stop, the homeless shelter. Uh, starting today, there's supposed to be a box in the lobby for uh, things to donate. And you can check the flock note um, information or check firststop.org for things that they need to help over the Christmas season. So be aware that's going to last for two or three weeks. So take part of that if you desire to and are willing to. Tomorrow, Monday, Women's Bible Study, Inductive Study of John at 6.30 at, where's that at? Not sure where it's at. Okay, y'all, the ladies know. Y'all, y'all know. Okay, church office is closed Thanksgiving Day and Friday. And then here's a special announcement for those that are interested. Contact Dolores Lee if you want to help with a Christmas tree church decorating. It's going to happen Saturday. Saturday, right? Friday. I'm glad she's here. Friday, 5 to 6.30. Everyone's welcome to join the volunteer. You're welcome to dress for the occasion. There will be hot chocolate, light refreshments, and a lovely Christmas music playing as we celebrate the evening and bring in the holiday season. So Friday, day after Thanksgiving, 5 to 6.30. Contact Dolores and see Dolores afterwards if you have questions or need information. And with that, one... One non-announcement in the bulletin says there's a November 27th Women's Bible Study on Psalms. That is incorrect. That is uh, not happening. I think that's the announcements. And again, enjoy being here today. Celebrate God's grace in our lives as we continue to worship. Good to see you all this morning. <laughs> uh, 
say thank you guys so much um, for your prayers for my family. My husband's doing well. Um, for those of you who don't know, he had a little accident uh, the other day and had to have surgery on both knees. And he's out of commission for the next couple months. Uh, so please continue to pray. Uh, pray his strength in the Lord. Pray my strength in the Lord as I try to keep him still. Uh, <laughs> but thank you guys so much um, for um, we have really um, experienced community this week, experienced the way that the Holy Spirit moves um, to minister to us through his people. And so I just wanted to, to share that and just let you guys know how much I appreciate um, Brother Ephraim. Um, it's just a blessing. Um, it's been a blessing to, to see the Lord move in the midst of a crazy situation. Thank you. Um, let's take a few moments to uh, prepare our hearts to worship. As we pause at this, I've been able to talk with Jesus, tell him all about my troubles. He'll hear our faintest cry. He'll answer by and by. So let's just take a few moments as we cast our cares on him. over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. Lord, we have just gathered in this place today broken people coming together to embrace and extend the love of Jesus. People coming together with hearts and minds open, hands open to receive the, the fruit of your word. Lord, we've come into this place uh, this morning and, and every Sunday and, and a whole host of different conditions. But we know we can stand by you are our cornerstone. You are our strong tower. You are, you are our very present help in time of need. You are our light and our salvation that we don't have to fear. 
stressors, all of the things. Lord, I pray that we would be like that man that told you, Lord, I believe and help my unbelief. Help us worship this morning in spirit and in truth. Um, and help us trust you today in our worship. Help us surrender to you today in our worship. I pray you to bless Brother Nash as, as, um, as he speaks to us, as you speak to us through him. Just let this be a sweet time of fellowship.
Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, lover of my soul. Friends may fail me, foes assail me. He, my Savior, makes me whole. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me till the end. Amen. Amen.
Our God is faithful. He is strong. He will surely do it. Amen. You may be seated. In the words of that famous pastor, Alex Shipman, do you really believe that? Come tomorrow morning. Come Wednesday morning. We have a special time now. Uh, we're growing in spite of COVID. All those who went through the Indian Village class and are planning on joining today, if you please come forward. We know who you are. <laughs> These folks have all went through the Indian Village class, five weeks, six weeks of that. Been interviewed by the elders and desire to say yes to our ID membership badge as we need them today. Anyway, good to have you all here. And after the, after the service today, I want you to give a hearty Village Church welcome. Okay? Handshake. Okay. I'm going to read these vows to you and answer with I do or yes, whatever is appropriate. Okay? You all been through these. You all read the heart probably by now. Number one, do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure? And without hope, save in his sovereign mercy. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners? And do you receive and depend upon him alone for salvation as he is offered in the gospel? Do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as become the followers of Christ? Do you promise to serve Christ and his church by supporting and participating in its worship and work to the best of your ability. Do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church and promise to further its purity and peace? Good. And one thing that y'all miss because y'all aren't teaching the class, so the rest of the elders, is to see how God has worked. There's one, two, three, four, there's seven people there, right? God has worked at least seven different ways to bring them to faith in Christ over the years of their life. It's exciting to hear that story and see that happen and see how God works through us, in spite of us, around us, through all kinds of circumstances and situations to bring us to faith in Christ and to bring us to the village church even. Okay. Let me, pray, let me offer a prayer and I'll introduce that to everybody in the closing prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for these new members. I just pray that you would uh, encourage them as they become part of the family here. Help us as a family to welcome them, to see them as part of the body of Christ, the family of Christ, and we can work together to extend your kingdom, to embrace your love, to glorify you in all that we do. I just thank you for each one of them, for the story, for the way you've worked in their lives, and for the way you've helped them to come to this point in, in their life at this point in time, Father, in this place. I give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Emma Rose and Jack Norton. Norris, Norris, I thought, okay, um, Chris and Kate McClure, <laughs> Ashley, Lewis, <laughs> a newlywed, newest newlywed, Aaliyah Johnson, and Patrick Smith, welcome to the Village Church, give them a gr greeting, <laughs> give them a handshake and an elbow rub, elbow bump, after the service today, y'all have a seat, thank you.
really is exciting to see how God has worked and continues to work in the lives of his people. And it brings us to faith and hangs on to us. Um, okay. Now we have a congregational prayer. And I looked at this and I said, you know, I'm not sure we all want to say this. I'm going to read, pray this first part. And near the last sentence, I'll ask you all to join in at the conclusion to this prayer. So just pray with me and we'll say the last, last part of this prayer together. Is it on the screen? Yes. Okay. Compassionate Lord, your mercies have brought me to the dawn of another day. Vain will be its gift unless I grow in grace, increase in knowledge, ripen for spiritual harvest. Let me this day know you as you are, love you supremely, serve you wholly, admire you fully. Through grace, let my will respond to you, knowing that power to obey is not in me, but that your free love alone that enables me to serve you. And together, here then is my empty heart. Overflow it with your choicest gifts. Here is my blind understanding. Chase away its mist of ignorance. Amen and amen.
morning's uh, scripture is a little different than what's printed in your, your bulletin. It is uh, from 1 John chapter 2, but it's verses 15 through, uh, through 17. And I'll read. Do not, correction, I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the the desires of the eye, and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Okay, if you all would join me word of prayer. Lord, uh, we, we just sang about our love for your name. And Lord, as we reflect on this broken world in which we live in, not the world that you gave us, which was perfect, but the world that we human beings broke by our choices and decisions, and now we live with those consequences. Lord, a world where we look to the example set by our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church who expressed your love for you in risking their lives to worship and follow Jesus. Lord, I think of uh, nations like the believers in nations like North Korea and Afghanistan and Somalia and Libya and Pakistan and Eritrea and Yemen, Iran. Nigeria and its northern parts, as well as the northern parts of India, where our spiritual siblings, our sisters and brothers in Christ, risk their lives daily to worship you. Lord, here in this nation, we are preparing for uh, what we call Thanksgiving, when we, in my opinion, should be an opportunity to give you thanks for the many blessings that we've experienced here generationally. But yet, Lord, we are a divided nation. We are divided 
on, along political lines. We are divided along ideological lines. Lord, help us and have mercy on us. And yes, forgive us. And Lord, look upon our local church here, the Village Church. Uh, we pray for our pastor who, who is continuing his sabbatical. We pray for our leaders, uh, particularly our brother DeMarco as he uh, heals from surgery. Uh, Lord, we pray for wisdom for our leaders and for all of our staff and, and the, uh, the members that are serving uh, in different capacities. Uh, we pray for our brother, Bill Nash, who will come uh, shortly and share uh, from your word with us. And Lord, we pray for healing and blessings in the lives of all of those who are gathered here and their loved ones. Um, illnesses, challenges, uh, Lord, that you uh, uh, intimately are aware of. We pray for blessings uh, on our church. We thank you for the many ways that you bless us. We submit ourselves to you alone, Jesus. We desire to express our love for you while we're here on the earth and to continue that throughout eternity. But Lord, we cannot do that on our own and in our own strength. Grow us in our faith. Strengthen us in our resolve to love you above all else. To have no other allegiance above you. Lord, this we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, I guess this is on. Good, that's great. Fantastic. Well, I'm, I really enjoy being here. I love the worship music, too. It was fantastic. I just, man, so good. I love it. Um, okay, this actually this past week, I was listening to a, a conference of an author that I just kind of discovered, and I found that he had spoken at a, um, a conference over in England. He's British as well. And, um, and I was watching on YouTube. And he brought up this idea that if we could project ahead like a hundred years, just sort of jump ahead and look back at this cultural moment, uh, he said he said we would be flabbergasted, and I think he said in his British accent, flabbergasted. But he flabbergasted at the speed and rate and size of change that is going on. It's a lot. Um, it's it's massive. Um, he brought up the fact that, too, that uh, in the time of Augustine, when he wrote his, uh, it was after Rome had fallen, and he wrote his book, The City of God, he was trying to make sense of the time, and he had a pretty profound understanding of what was going on, and so when he wrote his book, um, The City of God, he had a pretty good idea, but I think we're still trying to figure out what's going on, like really all the change is happening so fast. Now, one of the things that this author brought up was he was talking about uh, and this is, this is, he was talking about the uh, category of people that are uh, my kids, they fall into this, the millennials, right? And then he talked about the Generation Z, but as he said, he said Generation Z. Um, but that, that, that group, so roughly from like 1985 to 2000, and uh, the millennials, and then the 2000 to 2015 is the Generation Z, so that, that together, though, they, they're overlapping on um, how they are thinking. Um, they, they think along the same lines because they're asking certain questions. 
to thinking through um, God. He brought up three things. He said God, justice, and truth. That he said, because he brought up, he said, if we go back 100, we jump ahead 100 years, we look back on this time, that generation, that those generations, those young adults, of which I'm sure there are a number here, um, how they are thinking about those issues are so different than the previous generations. I mean, like all the previous generations. And I think probably at the core, that's probably why there's some lot of misunderstanding. There's this tension that's going on because they're thinking differently. And I think the generations that preceded, mine included, we need to listen a lot more. Listen to hear a lot. Because I think when we do, we start to hear what's going on in their hearts, right? Now, this is a little bit, I don't know how much more of that I'm going to get into here, but I listened to it this week and I thought, wow, this is sort of along the lines of this sermon but it's, we have to pause long enough to listen because it's complicated. The, the, the difference in how uh, this generations, these generations are thinking about God, truth, and justice are unique. And there's a lot of insights. We need to really, really listen. But it's complicated. How to, how to control that, how to figure out how to do that. It's very complicated. We live in complicated times because the change is happening so rapid. I can't get my hands around it half the time. Um, but so if we just take sort of these big issues like that as a church, how are we going to remain relevant? How are we going to do that? I think it's going to be listening, a lot of listening, y'all. Um, listen, listen, listen. God's got this. You know what I mean, right? So, um, and so there's that sort of big issue things. But now, in those, and that's complicated. It really is. It reminds me of like now that it's Christmas, you know, the Christmas vacation. We're all going to watch that movie with Chevy Chase, right? And then remember when he gets out the lights from the previous year? You know, if you remember that, it's just this big ball of lights. And he, he tells Rusty, you know, here, unravel this, right? I think a lot of times that's how I feel about a lot of the change and a lot of the things. It's just complicated. I don't know how to unravel it. But now let's push down. I can't even unravel half the crud in my own life, right? Um, I mean, like things, just the basic sort of complicated things of relationships. I mean, all my kids now are adults. My oldest kid is now is about to turn 30, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I don't even know. Um, you know, I've got a 28-year-old son as well and a 25-year-old daughter, and uh, parenting just got more complicated. I thought it was going to be easier after this. I was like, man, am I wrong? But it's like everything is complicated. It's just it's it's very complex, and um, and so not only do we sort of get stuck in our own life moment, you know, kind of the cares of the world. And I'm reminded of, you know, our passage is out of First John. But Jesus, when he was um, telling the parable of the seed and the sower, in, in in Mark chapter four, and it's this idea that the seed is the word of God. And, and it bears fruit depending on the type of soil it lands on. The good soil, there's 30, 60, 100-fold fruit that shows up because the word sinks in, and, and God's word is so powerful, right? It does a work in our lives and the lives of other people. But there was a, a few other soils where it just didn't work out. Uh, and one of them was the, the, the soil where the seed lands, it sprouts up, but the, the thorns kind of collect around it and choke out the fruitfulness of the word in people's lives, and, right? And, um, and he said there, because I always think about the thorns, 
I always go back to the garden of how, when, our, when we fell in the garden, right, Adam and Eve. Um, he, God said, you know, there's a curse now in creation. Everything is uphill. Everything is hard now. Childbirth, work, you know, you try to grow something in a garden, you know, it's, there's going to be weeds, you know, thorns. Everything is complicated now, very complicated. But then Jesus said, and, and that represents the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. That comes along, complicates life, chokes out the fruitfulness of our lives, and the fruitfulness of the word in our lives. Okay, so all of that, right? We live in complicated times. Life is complicated in general. And so um, I would say this, that maybe if you and I examine our lives, we might begin to, if we're really honest, discover that if that's kind of how things are going, we're getting really wrapped up in the cares of the world and we're feeling the weight and we're getting scared and we're getting angry, we're we're feeling it, um, inordinately, possibly, could it be, and this is just, I'm just throwing it out, maybe let's think about this, could it be that the present and material results of our lives have become more important than eternal, eternally. The perspective, like how the eternal results of what we do, the eternal results of what we care about, right? What maybe we're really caught in this moment, like really stuck in it, possibly, possibly. And maybe let's look at that. Because I think in First John we, we start to see it unpacked a little bit. But... Um, and I think if we look at it, we might find that we love this world more than we love God. Possibly. So maybe come with me on that possibility. And let's see what we might be able to discover in our hearts. I didn't like what I saw. So, um, but what do we do? All right. So first, I want you to know there is hope, right? There's hope. God is the God of hope. Um, and there's hope for our complicated lives. There's hope for this nation. There's hope for this world. There's, there's, there's a it's amazing, right? The hope that we have is found in this passage, and it's a little unusual, it's a little nuanced, so let me see if I can unpack it. But um, I'm going to sort of say my, part of my big illustration for all of this is like living off-grid, right? I think that's what we have to do. If we're going to be in this world, we have to pull back and live off-grid. Um, being off grid is this idea of like so if you have if you look at like the electrical grid that's out there, um, and there is all kinds of utility grids that are out there. There's gas, there's water, there's sewer, all of that stuff, right? We are sort of tapped into it, and part of living off grid is um, this idea that uh, because one of the things when things are complicated, you want to simplify, and so some people that simplify, they go off grid. They just say, oh, I'm checking out. I am out of here. I'm going to go live in my house. That has no electricity. I'm just going to figure out how to do that. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hunt. You know, I could never do that. The only thing I hunt for is bargains. That's about all I do, right? But um, I'm going to take care. I'm going to collect water. I'm going to do all this. So if you go online, there is a way and a means, and there's a whole group, a community of people that are living off grid, and they, they can tell you how to do it. They can make your own clothes. And boy, how about that? <laughs> I don't know what kind of clothes I could make. But you can just sort of pull off. I mean, you know, um, I'm going to try to simplify life. I'm going to back off and live off grid. And they do it, people do that for all kinds of reasons. Um, but I think one of the main things is that they just want to live differently because what they're doing now doesn't match up to their goals, right? It's just, 
you get fed up with how things are going, and you push back from the table and you just go, I'm out of here. I'm going to go live off grid. All right, so that's the basic big kind of uh, illustration that I'm going to keep tapping into a little bit here. But here's the thing. Um, whether you realize it or not, you and I live on a grid, and it's not just a utility grid. Um, God, we live on, our, on the grid of the world. God calls it the world. You know, God's word says it's the world, and it's in our passage. Do not love the world. And that's like living on a grid, you know, and we tap into it, and we're part of it. And um, it's how we live. It's how we function in this world. Um, but the challenge about the grid of the world is it's seductive, very seductive, pulls us in in ways in nuanced ways that we don't even see coming half the time. We're called in God's word to be very careful. And, you know, there's that saying, you know, be you know, in the world, not of the world. And it's the same kind of idea. We can't help but live in the grid of the world because this is where we are. There's a lot of things given input. And it's just, you, you can't escape it. I don't, I don't really think, you know, I don't want to ruin it, but the, that M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Village, it's about trying to run away from the world. And by the way, that doesn't work. I don't know if you saw that movie. It's like, nope, you can't do that. Um, but so here we are. We're in the world, but not of it. We are part of the grid, but we don't have to be seduced by it. And we can, in fact, push back. Um, but let's just, let's just go through the passage, and let me see if I can unpack that. I've made a lot of uh, statements, a lot of things like, hey, let's go see. Let's find out. Let's see. Let's go now. All right, so finally, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So living on the grid of the world is, means you love it. Now, let's think about when we think of the word love, it usually means um, you know, that you put the focus on another person uh, and you want their well-being. So you work for the well-being of someone else. That's how you love somebody. You work for their well-being, right? But I think what's, what's being taught here is that it's this love, this idea of um, that you, um, like, for instance, like, I love movies, you would say. And it's transactional. I, you know the reason why I love movies? One of the good ones? Because I get something out of it. I love movies, you know, um, and I get something out of it. Or I love pizza. You know, I love these things because I'm getting something out of it, right? That's how you, that's what's talking about here. You love the world. You're trying to get something out of it you. That's what it means to love the world. It's to be taken up by it. And so have you, so um, when we talk about like the utility grid, if you've ever had your utilities cut off, right, or it just goes off, you know, and you come home and your light's blinking on the, the, the microwave, or you just, it's off for a long time when we had the tornadoes a number of years ago, it was just off for days. Um, that's when you realize how much you love electricity, right? Uh, I love to cook, and I can't cook. I love to take showers, and I can't take showers. I mean, you, you realize how much you love it, you know, because you've tapped into it. You can't live without it. You love, when it says that you love the world, it says do not love the world. It's because we hope to receive something from it. We've been seduced. And it's then the next part of that passage says, then the love of the Father is not in you. Well, why is that? Because there's no room, no room left. Um, 
because we love the things of the world so much, we're relying on them. We're receiving so much from it. We learn to love and rely on what we hope to receive from it, the things of the world. All right. So that passage says there are things of the world. And right after that, in verse 16, it starts to describe what are those things. Okay, look at this, verse 16. For all that is in the world, and here they are, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions. Um, that's one way to translate it. Um, I think we have a verse said uh, the pride of life. But uh, I think a legitimate way to translate it is pride and possessions. All that is not from the Father, but is from the world. So here we go. All right, let's unpack all that. Desires of the flesh. Now, the thing about humans, we, that's why we live here. We have desires, and it doesn't mean that those desires are bad. I'm going to list a bunch of them. Just listen to this. Um, and, and these are things God designed us to enjoy. Uh, good relationships, whether, you know, you know, with your friends or, you know, in a marriage relationship. Uh, laughter, beauty, music, work, good food, and drink are all gifts from God meant for us to enjoy, for our pleasure, for our nourishment. But, so, so uh, are we supposed to not enjoy any of those things, to even desire them? Uh, the clue comes this way, and this is something that is throughout all Scripture. And, and the word that's translated there, desire, desires, um, if, you, if you could look at it sort of in, the, in the Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar. You know, I, I did just enough to get through seminary, okay? <laughs> so... Um, but if you look at it, um, it's a word, it's epithumia, and it's what's a compound word. It's two things, epi and thumia. Um, and thumia, like his desire, epi is like, it's like over, like, and so it's like an over-desire. So if you go back and you read this, and it says, for all that is in the world, the over-desire of the flesh, the over-desires of the eyes, and pride, we know, you know pride, you don't have to even unpack that one, and the possessions. That's not from the Father. Um, and so to think about it, like, so it's this, this progression in life, right? We, we, uh, a desire, when it becomes an over-desire, can become a demand. We start to demand it. I need, I have, you know, that translates into something completely different. Now you're seduced. Now it's got your heart. Um, it's even just something as benign as like an interest, you know? I mean, um, things that you're interested in can become... Uh, not just an interest, but a preoccupation, right, where it starts to, you know, uh, keep our minds. It's like when Jesus says in Mark 4, you know, the cares of the world, desires for riches, you know, the deceitfulness of riches and desire for other things. You know, John's talking essentially about the same thing. Um, and then finally, too, like a want, it's not just a want, but it comes, becomes a need. Like your, your mom or your dad, you know, it tells you the difference between a want and a need, you know, and it's, that's true. And we need to hear about it all the time as well. So that's an over-desire. They're saying this, it, now it's an inordinate desire. It's in our lives and operating. That's how the world does it. And we just tap right into that, and we fall into it. I do it all the time. Don't like it. Well, I, I guess I do like it because I wouldn't do it, but, I mean, I don't like the results. Right? <laughs> um, and that's what it means to sort of live on the grid of the world. It means we're part of it. We're in the flow. We're in part of the, the grid, the system. You know, we're tapped into it, and, man, we're just like everyone else. There are two aspects that are unpacked right after that was said, right after John says um, the desires of the flesh, and then he says the desires of the eyes and the pride in possessions. 
So let's just talk about those two things. Um, it's kind of like wanting and having. The first one says the desires of the eyes. That's sort of wanting. Uh, the over-desire, the, the over-desires that are activated by what we see, right, what we see. I mean, it, and gosh, the spectrum, that could cover a lot of things, right? You could just, you just fill in the blanks. But what we see, we look sideways. What happens? The end result is we covet. You know, we look at the world. Um, we look at, I mean, anything, the stars in the world, the, you know, the, the celebrities and, gosh, just even our next-door neighbor and the Somebody that we know that knows somebody, there's just this, this, we get pulled right into it. And so that's, you know, the desires of the eyes. Um, and we end up coveting, wanting. We envy what others have. And then that just begins to control us. It's just so gradual. It's so subtle. And gosh, we need the Lord. <laughs> um, then pride and possessions, um, it's about having. If Desires of the eyes is about wanting. Pride in possessions is about having. It's when we start to hope and rely on what we have and what we've achieved. You know, if our status is one thing, and we start to live like, you know, uh, we start to kind of like live above everybody else. We look down our noses. And when you're looking down your nose at somebody, you can caricaturize them. And when you can turn somebody into a caricature, then you can oppress them, right? You can persecute them because they're not really, you know, I'm here and they're down here. But the opposite is true, and we have to be careful about that, because if you're so tapped into the world, if we're so tapped into having and not achieving, when you don't do that, now you've moved yourself down here, you're feeling less than, you're, you know, you're feeling as, you know, as the oppressed person, and it's a whole nother vein of challenge, because then we, you know, we, we question God, we question his love, we question, oh, oh man, it just starts to unravel, right? Very complicated. Now, the end result, okay, the love for the Father is not anywhere to be found. That's what it says, right, at the very end. Um, That's what it says in verse 15. Do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So the God's love that we are supposed to be sharing, that, that we are compelled because of his love to go out and love others, it's not there. Or here's what's even worse. If we're so tapped in onto the grid of the world, now people become things to get me to what I want to get to. You people. You know, you've characterized them. So you kind of go, ah, eh, I just need that to get to me this point and all that sort of stuff, right? It just gets ugly quick. Um, but the love of the Father is not to be found. Um, so it distorts. The world takes what is good and distorts it so that, so, you know, we take wine and we get drunk. We take material items and we go overboard with it. You know, we only want the best. Uh, the gift of work becomes an obsession to achieve and gain power, right? The power over your finances, power over, you know, whatever. Whatever's going on with that. I mean, it's ugly. Now, the love of the Father is not anywhere to be found. And when that's the case, we actually become bored with God. We become bored with, he, with what he delights in because we're obsessed we're taken. We're running the other way. We can become very bored with God and what delights him. And it gets worse because, and we're going to see in verse 17, we're fooled. We're absolutely fooled. We've been fooled and we're fools for what we're running after. Look at verse 17. It's right there. And the world is passing away along with its over-desires. 
but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Uh, that ancient theologian, John Owen, he called it living affections for dying things. We have living affections for things that are dying. You can't take it with you. It's going away. You know, what this generation loves, you know, is going to be the next generation's junk anyways, right, as far as possessions and things. Um, and so the will of the Father, we were saying, well, what is the will of the Father? I want to do the will of the Father. The will of the Father is to live off the grid of the world, to pull back and live off grid, find another source for water, you know, find another source for, you know, electricity metaphorically, right? Now, one other uh, author calls all this about uh, um, living off grid really is, he says, resisting the powerful seduction of a fallen world. It's a fallen world. It's going away. But so now how do we resist? Let's just get right to this point. How do we resist? Especially when life is complicated and you feel trapped, you know, when you're depressed and despair sets in. I mean, gosh, right? We can get very depressed depending on what you watch and what you read and how you think about it and, you know, how obsessed you get with it. And we start to listen to the world. The world can tell you you're a failure. You'll never change. It'll never change, whatever. You can't shake the world, and there is no hope. But there is hope. And just like we talked about, you know, desires of the eyes and the pride in possessions, I want to flip that because it is about what we see, and it is about what we possess. But it's actually a who. It's who we see and who we possess because that's where our hope is. Because if we can see that we have been seduced, and no matter how hard I try, I can't resist the world. I can't resist the stuff in the world. It's so complicated. I'm in it. I need a miracle. I need to be plucked out. And the way that that happens is because you see the one who did resist, Jesus. Think through with this. Think on this with me. The night in which he was betrayed, because the next day he was going to be crucified and three days later rise. The night in which he was betrayed, they had a Passover meal. Passover meal, although you know, it, it, it is what it is, it's a pointing back. Um, it's, a, it's religious and it's sort of like I, we need to do this, we got to do this. But Jesus sat with his friends, his disciples. He, knowing the next day he was going to die, was going to receive the wrath of God in its fullness. He paused to be with his friends, and he drank from the cup, right? Shared that with them. The new covenant in my blood. This is the bread. This is my body. And they were with them, and they sang a song afterwards. So he was with and enjoying the friends, even in light of the next day. But he had that one cup. But he also had another cup later that night. It was in the garden, right? And so Jesus, and then Matthew 26, 39, and going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. See, we're back to it's doing the will of God. That's how you live off grid. He's doing the will of God here. But it's the cup that he's talking about is the wrath of God. The wrath of God that was completely poured out upon Jesus. He drank all of it down to the dregs. There was nothing left. Nothing. But see, in light of that, even in the, in the anguish that he, Jesus anticipating all that, he paused to be with his friends. And here's the thing, too. You know what the will of the Father, when Jesus says, not my will, but your will, the will was, and this is from Isaiah 53.10, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him and put him to grief. 
That was God's will. And that was what Jesus did for us. See, on the one hand, you know, we see Jesus break bread and raise the cup with his disciples on the same night he was betrayed, the night before he was to die, and he paused to enjoy a meal with his friends and even sing a song with them. Um, not loving the world, an application for us, doesn't mean that we just disengage and everything. Like, I, get, I can still see you guys at, you know, the breweries and stuff. Um, we can go do that. We can enjoy the good gifts from God. It's in his will that we do. But, too, but on the other hand, the will of the Father is that you look to Jesus because it was the will of the Father that he die in your place for your sins of desiring a world without the Father where you're God. See, when we go into the world, there's no room for God. We become God. We follow our lead. We do what we want. And we, Jesus, that's why he went to the cross because you and I do that. We put him on the cross. We put him there. And he went willingly. He went to be crushed. See, the will of the Father is for you and I to live off grid. That your desires for your eyes be for him. Be for Jesus and what he offers. That's the desires of our eyes. Hey, if you want to have an over-desire, that's it. (laughs) And then, the pride and possessions... I am so proud of what I possess. I have the love of Jesus. I have his forgiveness. I possess that because he gave it to me. Freely. That's my possession. I'm pro- I proclaim it. You know, when Paul says in Philippians, he goes, I don't care how you proclaim it. I really don't. You know, some of you have bad motives. Some of you have good motives. But as long as Jesus is proclaimed, I'm proclaiming them now, man, because that's, what I, that's all I got and that's all I need. To see the love of Jesus and to own, to be proud of what we have and proclaim it. Okay, so life is complicated. We live in very complicated times, very. And I look when I look across this room, I, I man, I see, I have hope. I have hope, man. This that, that God is in control, and um, we need to see Him clearly, and be proud of what we possess in Him. The only way to resist the world is to desire Jesus. Dwell where you can hear the anguished cries of Jesus. Stay there until your heart lets go of its affections for dying things. Dwell with Jesus at the cross and rest and boast in the glory and and grace revealed at the cross. Amen? Let me pray, and then we're going to come to the table. Father, I'm very grateful. I'm amazed, in fact that you have called us for such a time as this. We live in complex times. Me, an older generation, pausing long enough to listen, to understand that a younger generation, there's, it's, it's your work. You're the one that, that's, that's doing that. Um, and so, Lord, uh, let me not cling and just grab onto the stuff that I thought was probably holy, but it was just something in the world. I'm okay that I don't fully understand everything that's going on or even the, uh, the, the thought uh, lane of the younger generation, but I'm just going to listen, just like I listen to your voice. I want to hear, and I want to bring honor and glory. I want to live off the grid of this world so that I can do your will. That's what we pray for, and that's what we want, and that's what we ask. Uh, in the name of Jesus, amen. 
if you came in, um, and obviously you did because you're here, <laughs> they were handing out, we were handing out a little cups that had sort of a self-contained uh, juice and uh, bread, right? If you don't have one, just raise your hand and we'll get you one. Wow, there we go. It's like we're in a Baptist church. We've got people raising their hand to come forward. No, um, no, but so yeah, they're going to get you what you need. I think as that's happening, I want to go ahead and start. Uh, we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. These are the words of the institution of the Supper of the Lord. Paul writes them. Here's what he wrote. I received from the Lord that which I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he also took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth the Lord's death until he comes. One of the things that we do, just as in a denomination, Presbyterians, we, we do what's called fencing the table. And um, I like to sort of approach it this way, that if you're a follower of Christ, um, thinking through what the bread and the cup represent we call it a means of grace. It is a way that it happens on so many levels if we really think this through. Because what uh, Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. He, so it means he lived the life we couldn't, right? You know, he did the things that you and I would only aspire in our best days to do that we couldn't. And he lived the life we couldn't. And then even as we think through the, you know, even the brokenness of that certainly is part of this. But as we think through this, spilled blood in his death, it means he paid the penalty that we deserve. And so as a follower of Christ, we want to remember this. We want to partake in the grace. We want it to have an effect on us in a new way. Um, And we even go a little bit further as followers of Christ. We know in the new heavens and new earth is what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's this big idea that even the most amazing meal you ever thought, just the greatest thing, you know, the greatest party, the great whatever, it's forever is a lot like that. <laughs> you know, it's a lot like that, but it's better. You know, it's like, how does an infinite God explain something so amazing? And so I like to think about it this way, that when we are in heaven and when the marriage supper of the Lamb and whatever that feast is and however it plays out, you and I as followers of Christ, what we do here. When we're there, we'll, it'll be very familiar. We'll, be, we'll go like, yeah, this, I know this. And it's better than I knew. It's <laughs> better than I've ever experienced. And so it's, it's a sacred thing for followers of Christ. And so I would say this, that if you're here and you're thinking this through, uh, the whole notion of God, maybe, you know, truth, justice, you're here because someone brought you, and you're, you're thinking it through. Um, rather than taking the bread and the wine, take Jesus. Because as followers of Christ, the reason why we're up here is because we've repented, not just of our, the, of our sin, we've repented of our righteousness. 
Because we don't hold up our righteousness. It's not because we're good that we come to the table. It's not because we've done amazing things that God said, well, that one's in. You know, that, that's not how it works. Because of Jesus, and this is his body, this is his blood, and we think on this. And so don't take the bread and the wine. Take Jesus. And do what we did. We repented of our righteousness. Not only our sin, but our righteousness as well. Um, so do that. Let me pray and give thanks. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that you didn't require of us, you know, do a good life, qualify to be in my presence. You sent Jesus and he did it. And so, Father, we rejoice in this and we give thanks. Uh, just we have thankful hearts, Father, for what you're showing us through Jesus. Thank you that we live in such a time as this. Thank you that we're here together. Thank you that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, one day when we are enjoying the marriage supper of the Lamb forever, we'll just go, I've, I've always known this, but it's better than I even thought. So, Father, thank you for that. It's in his name we pray. Amen. The Lord Jesus, when he, uh, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same fashion, he took the cup, and after giving thanks, as I've done here this morning, he gave it to his disciples and said, This is the uh, new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Take and drink it, all of you. So let's do that together. Open up and get all the things ready and just enjoy and think through. Jesus lived the life you couldn't. He died the death you deserve. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And amen and amen. We ready to sing out? I think that's next. Absolutely is. Jesus paid it all, right? That is truly amazing. Please stand. Let's sing. Oh. 
you the Lord's benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace and a pride in what you possess in Jesus. Amen and amen.